Welcome to a special episode, emergency episode, I guess, of Pit Lane Parlay. I'm Frenchie taking over and uh, replacing or standing in for host Mike, who is busy with his day job at a conference, is Sarah Levinson. So welcome, Sarah. How are you? Hey, I'm doing good. I'm happy to be the host host or the co-host host. I don't think I could actually take host's place long term because he does a much better job at this than I do, but we miss you, Mike. Have fun in Dallas. I don't know if anyone could have fun in Dallas, but if you're having fun in Dallas, that's good. Yeah, I've been twice and it wasn't my favorite city. (laughs) I also think it's probably hot as hell right now. So hopefully he's inside in air conditioning. The same in Miami right now. I was walking around earlier today and it is absolutely disgusting. It's like the August heat, which is the hottest it gets in Miami. And obviously we're in South Florida and it's humid and it's gross. So yeah, I can relate. I can, but it rains like every day, right? Like in the afternoon. That's what I remember from when I used to go to Miami. Yeah. So it is hurricane season right now. It hasn't really been raining too much. We kind of go through like waves of it. So for the month of July, it would rain every morning for like 20 minutes and then stop. And then it would be beautiful for the rest of the day. So, and then last year there was barely any rain during hurricane season. There was like maybe one or two like storms that came through. Um, Like I remember actually, that's like the thing. It's like, it's technically hurricane season that's supposed to last four to six months, but really it's just like two massive storms typically hit. And I remember last year, one of them, I lived in a 64 floor building high rise and there's a water leak and it shut down all of the elevators. So like I was thankfully was on the 26th floor. So I could like do 26 flights of steps to like take the dog out. But for people who were like higher up, they were stranded and that was a time. So yeah, that's South Florida during hurricane season for you, but that's like more in the fall than it is in the summer. In the summer, it's really just like, it'll like the weather report will say it's going to rain all week and it'll rain for like a collective hour throughout the entire week and be beautiful for the rest. So yeah, it's just hot. It's just really hot and gross and humid. Gotta love that. No, I don't, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's worth it. It's worth being here at least for like, it's, you know what? I would rather suffer through the Miami heat and humidity and rain and whatever but be able to go to the Miami GP down the street and not have to pay for accommodations or flights for that. Like that, that trade-off just for that weekend alone is worth it for me. Yeah, true. I guess. Can you imagine what the cost was for like the hotels in town? I don't even remember hearing what they were, but I bet it was astronomical. I could not even imagine what it would be. I could not even begin to tell you. I know that like a weekend at or a night at the one hotel, which is where um, Max stayed. I think it's where both Max and Lewis stayed um, like on a regular any weekend. It's like $600 a night. Mm -hmm. So I cannot imagine what it would have been for anyone else during the GP weekend. I'm sure they jacked up the prices, but why wouldn't they? No, I'm sure. Of course they would. Of course they would. I mean, if tickets to go to the GP themselves were like $1,200 minimum, I have to imagine that the hotel rooms were going to be like $1,200 minimum. Yeah, they get at least double what they normally charge and get it. I would think so. I would think so. Thankfully, I don't know because I didn't have to even look it up because I pay rent, which obviously is not much better, but still, (laughs) that's fine. True. All right. Well, um, let's get into our emergency special topic, which is 
that Daniel Ricardo is officially out at McLaren. And it maybe doesn't sound like an emergency to most of you listening because we've been saying this is going to happen for who knows how long. Yeah. But the saga, I guess, is over. Not over. I don't, I don't know about over because please note, they did not announce Piastri immediately. Yes. Versus like what happened when Alonzo, or sorry, when Vettel announced that he was leaving um, F1 and then Alonzo immediately announced that he was going to Aston Martin. That was like a quick back to back. But we, I would, I would say that it's not the end of the saga because we don't know if slash where Daniel is going anywhere. And yes. we don't have confirmation that Piastri is in his seat. But we're pretty sure that's who's going to be there, right? I mean, that's my safe assumption. But I'm also curious why they would have Daniel make his announcement before they were ready to announce who's filling the seat. That is a good point. And it definitely has drawn some speculation from the IndyCar side too, because people are wondering mm-hmm. if that's where Alex Pillow was possibly going to end up. I don't know why you would have in your stable Oscar Piastri and not put him in the F1 car over yeah. like Alex, you know, choosing Alex Pillow over him because no offense well, to Alex, but Piastri's got more relevant experience more recently. And McLaren deleted all of the tweets yes. that Pillow is joining in general, like joining McLaren in general. Mm -hmm. So that sounds like that went, went down the dirty hole of the contracts (laughs) were not finalized and Pelo just announced way too early when the contracts aren't finalized. So yeah, I think that it definitely makes more sense to have Piastri in that seat, but like Daniel's announcement was obviously spurred by the team. It sounds Mm -hmm. like Daniel wanted to stay and obviously they just, it was his decision at the end of the day, because he would have to be the one that was bought out, which obviously he was bought out for the rumored $15 million. Um, and I'm just still surprised why McLaren would have Daniel make that announcement and put that out before they're ready to announce Piastri. Because if those contracts aren't closed and if that falls through, they're hosed. Yeah, I agree. I don't know who else they would put in their car if Piastri falls through, I mean, that's interesting to think about, but I'm just kind of under the assumption that it is going to be him and that they wouldn't have had Daniel announce this if they didn't have that pretty much tied up behind the scenes. That's what I would think. But then if it wasn't tied up, like they would announce it. So I don't know. That's my confusion. As for anyone else who could take that seat, I mean, genuinely, I don't, I don't think it's going to be anything, anyone else. I think it's going to be Piastri, but my mind immediately went to um, a tweet that I had seen from a IndyCar driver. I won't name the name of, because I don't want to get anyone in trouble. Cause I think the tweet was deleted at some point afterwards um, that Zach Brown has quote unquote offered up McLaren seats to like half of the IndyCar grid. <laughs> so could there be another back burner somewhere in IndyCar that just we haven't heard any rumors about? I don't think so, but like, sounds like Zach Brown went to a bar one night, got super drunk and called every IndyCar driver on the planet and offered him the seat. So I don't know. Yeah, he was feeling lonely. And I guess like one of those nights where people accidentally call all their exes and exactly. regret that later, that's what he was doing, it sounds like. Exactly. I think he was just going down the pecking order of the IndyCar grid and seeing who would want to come keep him company. Yeah, which 
he put himself in a very interesting position because he's going to burn a lot of bridges when he can't honor those agreements with all those people. But I'm sure he's smart enough not to have signed something that would harm him. Well, I mean, I would have to think so. I think Zach Brown has had a massive loyal fan base, even just as a CEO, which you don't see often. And so many people have loved him. But after this Ricardo fiasco and a lot of fans have thought that he just treated Ricardo very horribly throughout this entire process that I literally had someone in my DMs yesterday tell me that Zach Brown was giving him Lord Sith vibes, which just really, I think, hit the right way. And I think he's losing a lot of his loyal fan base with just in the way that this entire situation went down. And I mean, even just the mess with Piastri, Polo, you know, all of it. Um, So I don't know. I've always honored him. I've always respected him. I don't think my opinion of him has necessarily changed. I'm also like a controversial fan of Christian Horner because I just think that you have to like be a boss. A, I don't, I'm not going to swear on here, but be a boss to like run these teams. You mm-hmm. can't be a wussy and you kind of have to step into those roles sometimes. Do I think that he handled this situation correctly? Absolutely not. Do I not respect him for any of it? Also, no, like, I don't know. It's just business at the end of the day. And like, especially during silly season, things get messy. And unfortunately his messy sock drawer has leaked out into the public press, Yeah, but you know, that happens and it is what it is. It looks like an, an amicable split though, like from Daniel's message. I mean, he always just looks happy and it, he looks ca- so depressed. Did we watch the same video? Fred? No, well, but he like, even when he's depressed, he's happier than most people in my opinion. I mean, that's true, but I don't think he's genuinely happy. Like he posted that Instagram story, whatever it was like a month ago when the whole Piastri Polo thing originally came out that he's like, I have no intention on leaving McLaren I'm here to fight to the end. And then the video that he announced, whatever it was yesterday, two days ago, he was like, he looked so like beaten up almost. And like, obviously it's supposed to be a quote unquote mutual split, but he Mm -hmm. says in his video, the team's decision. Like it obviously was not his decision. So I don't know. My heart breaks for him. Do I think he's performing? Also, absolutely not. Yeah. Do I think he has a chance on doing well in F1 after his Red Bull years? Question mark, right? Like if he does go to another team on the grid, it's not going to be a team with a better car. So therefore he's still going to be fighting for P17 no matter what, unfortunately. So that's why, like when you said earlier, I would love, 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 love to see him and Pato on McLaren and IndyCar together. Will that happen? Zero percent chance just because Mm -hmm. A, his relationship with Zach Brown is now absolute dog shite. And B, he did make an announcement, I think it was this morning, Daniel, that he doesn't want to race anywhere else besides F1, which I think is kind of sad because I think he like, Again, this is me coming from someone who has quite literally never stepped in a race car before. I've gone karting once. So I do not claim to be an expert on any of this. But it seems to me that he's obviously had a very harsh last four years since leaving Red Bull. And in my mind, if I were in his shoes, I would like want a break and like want to try and go like snap out of that slump and go try something else. And he loves NASCAR. He Mm -hmm. loves America it makes sense to me for him to do like a project 91 in NASCAR or to do a IndyCar, car, but 
it sounds like that has no interest to him. So I don't know. I guess we'll see if he ends up in the Alpine seat or in a Haas seat or in a Williams seat, which would be so depressing. But, you know, I guess it is what it is. No, I wanted to get into that because he did say if the stars don't align, it doesn't make sense next year. And if it means taking time off to reset and reevaluate, then that's the right thing to do. I'm willing to do it. So he leaves it open for a possible, I guess, sabbatical year next year if he doesn't end up in yeah, one of those but seats. Who's going to take him back after a sabbatical year? I don't think anyone's going to like, I don't know if any team is just going to be like, you know, what? I'll wait until 2024 or 2023. Yeah, no, 2024. I'll wait until 2024 and like maybe take him back then. I think by then there's going to be way too much competition from the young bucks who are coming up the ranks. And like, there are so many kids like Piastri who have been waiting and waiting and waiting for a seat to open. And again, by 2024, I don't know if there's going to be a team that says, all right, let's bring in this 36 year old that took a break from the sport versus a new kid. However, as I say that Alonzo pops into my brain. So exactly. I don't know, maybe not, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. I mean, he's an eight time winner. He even won with McLaren last year. So yeah. even on his like worst days where we're watching him, like what is going on? Yeah. He can look back at that moment at Monza where if everything aligns, he still has what it takes. Yeah, 100%. So I think he's shown, and I have some quotes that I want to read to you from people reacting to this move. Because oh, I hope you have Seb's. Seb's I do. this morning from the press release is so good from the press conference. Yes, yeah. I have Seb's. I have a few others as well. So I guess let's get into Seb's real quick because I pretty much agree with what he says wholeheartedly. 100%. Me too. Yeah. He says it's a very difficult situation to be in. And obviously he had the pleasure of racing um, against Ricardo and being beaten by him, right? But he says, I don't know the details, but I guess McLaren failed to extract the potential that he has. I'm sure that ultimately the talent he has and the qualities he has will shine through. And Lewis also echoed those and said, I think he deserves a place in the sport. And I really hope there's somewhere great for him because he's got lots to achieve. Yeah, I completely Where does he go? Where Where do we think? But the most likely of those options that you mentioned, we talked about Alpine, which obviously he has some history there. Yep. Alfa Romeo, who the Zhou Guan Yu seat is purportedly open. Yeah. Haas has that second seat that they haven't signed Mick Schumacher with. And I keep hearing really bad things about their relationship, which sounds strange. Yeah. And then I guess Williams, because it's likely that Latifi is gone next year. Yeah. I think the most likely is Alpine, which yeah. would make me sad because that's Renault in blue clothing, obviously. Mm-hmm. And his move to Renault broke my heart one time already. I don't know if I have it in me to have that break my heart for a second time. I remember like when they announced when, so his last two years at Red Bull, I think were the first two years that I watched F1 like I think I saw him do two seasons in Red Bull okay and like that's like when I first started watching it and I like loved him at Red Bull and obviously he had his whole pride thing about how he wasn't being um you know he's the number two driver and he hated being the number two driver blah 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 but like he will never get a car or a team as good as that again unfortunately and McLaren was supposed to be like his redemption arc where he was getting back up into the fighting ranks 
And then obviously the McLaren car this year with the new regulations kind of bottled it, even though Lando has been able to kind of take it back a little bit. Lando has been performing relatively well, even though the car itself wasn't as good as it was last year. So I don't know, like it just breaks when he decided to move to Renault. I understood why, but like, I also didn't because I just knew he wasn't going to be performing as well. Like you don't get race results in worse cars unless, you know, there's something super particular about it. Right. So I don't know, like he's it like it breaks my heart I think it is that that is the most likely to be fair Otmar is really butthurt about the whole piastri thing so I think if he can get Ricardo that would be a win in his book yeah honestly like a massive win um I also say that because I like Joe I don't want Joe to go anywhere Mm -hmm. I like Mick I don't want Mick to go anywhere even though obviously that relationship is soured so what I've also heard is that again, these are all rumors, so who knows what, but that Mick is also talking to Alpine, which I oh. think would be a crazy cool relationship. So yeah, that'd be an excellent upgrade. I think even from Haas. Yeah. So, but then that would mean that Ricardo would have to go to Haas or Williams. And if Ricardo went to Williams, I love Williams. I'm a Williams gal. I Me too. fully support them. Not a gal, but you know. yeah. <laughs> Williams person. Williams person. <laughs> and but like obviously the car is just not there. Like yep. the tech is not there. So seeing someone who for a long time was going to be a world driver championship kind of person land in a Williams. It's like it's giving Kimi Raikkonen, it's giving Botas, it's giving like the old people just dropping down the ranks, but he hasn't gotten the success that he needs before he starts doing that. So I don't know. It's heartbreaking, but I still want to see him in the sport. So, you know, if that is at Williams, if that is at Alpine, if that is replacing Mick at Haas, I don't know. I think I'd actually rather see Mick at Haas than Daniel in the sport, which. Okay is probably a hot take but i'd rather see mick in the sport at this point than than daniel maybe which i didn't even realize until it came out of my mouth just now so first to hear it first to hear the hot takes no i think that's probably a good point because i don't see that mick has gotten a fair shot at this yet Mm -mm. i don't think we've seen all that he can do so if you were to replace him with ricardo who we've seen i mean even if he gets more success i I think i agree with you that i'd rather see mick stick around to see if that potential that appears to be there can you know fully come out yeah even just given the opportunity like daniel's been in the sport for how long like a good amount of years like probably a decade at least since yeah no he started in the middle of 2011 driving for hrt yeah just over a decade. So no offense, but like he's, he's had his time and he's obviously hasn't been the longest on the grid, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think Mick deserves a shot. I, I do think honestly, quite honestly, that it's going to be Daniel to Alpine. And if Mick gets replaced, I will just be sad, but you know, they don't ask me my opinion on this. So it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. <laughs> How do we think he's going to stack up against Ocon if he goes to Alpine? Because they raced together in, I think it was 2020 as teammates. And I I would say that Daniel pretty much smoked Esteban. Yeah, he did. Um, That would be really interesting. I think obviously the good thing is if he goes back to, or if he goes to Alpine, he's 
going back to a somewhat similar car, obviously with the new right. regulations is going to be somewhat different, but you know, he's going back to a car that he had a few years with or a couple Probably of some years of the same with. personnel too. Right. And a lot of the same personnel, I mean, not Cyril, but thank God know. for him. Otherwise I don't think it would be possible for him to go back. Okay. Another hot take. I, I agree. Cause obviously Cyril was very, very, very butthurt when he left, but I also think that Cyril acted like the figure to Daniel just as Zach Brown is to Lando, just as Horner is mm. to Max. Like Cyril had that kind of like protective energy of like, I know that you have talent and I want to harness it. And like, I want to build you. And I think that's why he was so heartbroken when Ricardo left, because he was like, I just care so much about this person's success and this person that he felt like betrayed. That's but fair. I could see if, I mean, I just also love Cyril in general. I think he's a wonderful human. Um, I would just love to see that relationship rekindle. Will it? Absolutely Reconcile. not. Reconcile. Yeah. I don't, they could I be mean, friends again. They could be friends again. But I, I also think Cyril has too much pride for that. And also there is no rumor that Cyril's coming back in general. So no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, what you just said reminded me of how I think Ron Dennis felt when Kimmy left McLaren. Exactly. It was like we, I took Kimmy and I harnessed him into like this almost champion. And then Kimmy left for Ferrari. And I think Ron Dennis was just like absolutely shattered. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I think, I think it would be good for Ricardo because he understands the people. He understands the team dynamics. He understands the car. He's worked with Esteban before. Um, How do I think he's going to compare to Esteban actually racing in the car? I would say at least comparable, if not better. I mean, Esty, Bestie, whom we've discussed before, is actually doing relatively well this season and much better than people thought he was going to, or much better than I thought he was going to. Um, So yeah, I think that that could be a really successful pair because it looks like that Alpine car has what it takes. Hi, listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay. Pit Lane Parlay is the go-to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports-related news. Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today. Pit Pass Moto, sponsored by Moto America, is the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. From candid interviews with the top names in racing, to providing insights into the trends and trendsetters driving the motorcycle industry, we have you covered. New episodes are available every Thursday at pitpassmoto.com and on your favorite podcast app. Right on. I, I think it would be interesting to see them back together again. And if he doesn't kind of match up well to Esteban, then that's going to be a really bad look. Yeah. 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 If, if I think if he doesn't match up to Esteban and that he would have to leave just, yeah. I, I think he would want to leave at that point because I don't know, they like, he's obviously a fighter and he wants to mm-hmm. stay, but I also think that he had, he's the kind of person where 
he can go so far. And once he gets to the end, he would like recognize that versus trying to stick around for way too long. Yeah. Like a cough, cough, Kimmy, cough, cough. <laughs> okay, let's get into some of these other quotes real quick. Um, I was kind of shocked. I don't know if you saw what Lando said, but no. let me read you. Well, I saw Lando's said. post yesterday. He posted like a super sappy, like, I loved working with you the last two years. You'll be missed. Is this different? Oh, the face, yeah. the look on your face is different. This is from 12.53 p.m. today. So this is only a couple hours ago. So here's what Lando said to the press today. I guess everyone's at the track probably. Yeah, press conference. Um, he said, I guess I'm surprised because when Daniel came into the team, everyone expected more. I'm sure even he himself expected more. Um, it's not me having a dig or anything. But when you look at the results, if you want two people to be at the same level, then you're not surprised. It's hard to know when to call it, I guess, which is what they've done. And then he was asked if he had any sympathy for Daniel's difficult season. And he said, I hate to say it, but I would say no. Hmm. People will probably hate me for saying it, but it's difficult because I never know if I might encounter that in the future with this car or a different team or whatever. And I don't want to contradict myself going into the future, but I've got to focus on my driving. It's not my job to focus on someone else. And I'm not a driver coach. I'm not here to help and do those kind of things. I'm here to perform my best. And that's about it. So it's difficult when people start having an expectation that it's my job to also do these other things and helping and describing this and doing that when that's not really the case. Interesting. Honestly, that's woke. Like that to me, that's, he's obviously had a long time to think about it. And it sounds like a dig, but I think that that's like a mature answer at the end of the day. Like it isn't his job to teach Daniel how to use the car because at the end of the day they are in competition and of course you want to help your teammate in order to get better points for the team but you also like Lando is still a kid and he's had oh, yeah. so much expectation put on him since he entered this sport at like what he was I think he's like 19 20 yeah, when he easily. went into he got into F1 and so like I cannot imagine all of the pressure that he's been put under, especially with his recent success. And I don't know. I mean, I, I think that's really interesting that he said, I'm saying this now and I might contradict myself later because obviously that's just how the world works. You could say one thing one day and disagree with yourself the next day and that's that's fine. But I don't know. I think, as I said earlier in regards to Zach and Christian, like, this sport is a diehard sport. You can't be super sympathetic. You can't be super empathetic because you're just not going to get anywhere. You're not going to win that way. And of course you want to have some sorts of empathy. And we know that Lando is a caring guy. He's not a yeah, jackass. Personally, like he's, he's a good person. Like we've been able to see that he's a good person. Um, but that is pretty, I don't know. I, I think that that's a great response. I don't think he should have sympathy for Daniel. I mean, I, I personally don't have sympathy for Daniel. It is based on the results. Lando is able to do so much more in that car. And Daniel was not able to put forth anything in that car. And that's, yeah. I mean, it, it just proves my results. Do I think that Daniel is a great driver? Absolutely. Do I think that he's had really, really bad luck the last few years and has made some questionable decisions? also yeah so that's very interesting what's your take on that Frenchie what's your take on that response 
I think it shows you the difference between the personal and the professional relationship that these two guys have with each other. Mm -hmm. And it makes me wonder and think about the way that different people look at this and who they place the blame on. Because from maybe Vettel's quotes or what Lewis said, it seems like they place most of the blame on McLaren for not being able to get anything out of this clearly talented driver. Whereas maybe Lando and kind of echoing just what you just said is maybe Daniel is the issue here because we're seeing Lando get something out of the car. And if Daniel's truly one of the greats, he should be able to adapt to almost any kind of situation and perform. Mm. So I don't know who's to blame here, but if I had to pick one or the other, I think I am going to put more of the blame on Daniel because it just sounds like he wasn't able to come to grips with the car. And that's maybe something that he has to learn about himself. And hopefully he can get back to a car that suits him better. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it's necessarily the team's job to, although we see like teams like Red Bull and everything, they literally develop the car so it fits one driver. Yeah. But I mean, if, if you can't get with their design, I mean, they can make certain changes, but it's not a a light switch, right? If you can't kind of get to grips with it, then you're out. Yeah. I think I would have a lot more sympathy if he was experiencing this at McLaren right after his success at Red Bull, or if he was super successful at Renault, Mm -hmm. then I think I would have a lot more sympathy. But I think having those two years at Renault that he was doing okay, but he wasn't like stellar by any means makes me also think that more of the blame should be put on Daniel. But hey, listen, like like Sebastian and Lewis are also experts in this and they know what's up. So if they're saying that McLaren could, should have done more then I believe that too, you know, maybe the blame Mm -hmm. should be equally put on both sides. Like, again, there's been so much talk about how amazing of a driver Daniel is. And we definitely have seen that, but I also can't imagine Daniel being the person almost like Kimmy where you can throw him in literally whatever car and he's going to kick butt like Daniel's definitely not at that skill set and I mean maybe that's why one is a world champion and one isn't but um yeah it's just it's I think there has been a lot of at least on my social media my pages and my bubble a lot of people have basically said Daniel was not performing so this is well within their right which it is but Mm -hmm. I've never really I don't know that inside of what it looks like to develop a driver and to get them up to speed on your car and what that looks like. So it never really occurred to me that it could have been a McLaren problem, like McLaren's fault. But yeah, I mean, again, Lewis and Sebastian are the experts. And if they're saying that McLaren didn't do enough to extrapolate that talent from Daniel, then I mean, I put stock in that. Yeah. And so that just makes me wonder, because if you look at Sebastian Vettel, who you were just mentioning, I mean, he had all this massive success in a different generation of car and then sort of never had the same amount of success after that, right? And so maybe Daniel's experienced a similar thing. I mean, we've seen yeah. Lewis be successful in anything he drives, and that's why yeah. he's the greatest of all time. Yeah. Um, I mean, so if you look at it, maybe Daniel just kind of can't drive these heavier, you know, bigger, different cars and that's something that would be really unfortunate, but he had some great success and hopefully he'll have more. But if he didn't, I mean, he's still an eight time 
Grand Prix winner. It's not yeah. like he was a slouch at all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is obviously impressive. And again, as someone who cannot, does not drive cars for a living or even for fun most of the time, for being in the sport over a decade now and having only won eight races, is he really as much of a talent as people think that he is? I mean, I, I still say yes, but like, I don't know, that argument could be made as well as, you know, if you're really not winning at least one race per year, what level of talent are you at? But he's also going again up against people like Daniel and Lewis. Like yep. he's also in the era where there are some stellar talent on the grid and better cars. So re- realistically, how much better could you do? Again, that's why I think back in his Red Bull days, he had the best shot at winning mm-hmm. the most races and doing the best. Cause even if he was partnered with Max in the quote unquote same machinery, obviously Max is going to do better. But do you know how many times Max DNFs? Like right. a lot. So right. he would have actually a chance of like doing well. So I don't know. I'm still, it's been four years and I'm still bitter. So I guess that's fine. No, you've seen how smart a move that was for Sergio, right? Yeah. He probably would never have won a race. Unless, I mean, until he moved there. So thousand percent to be, I mean, Eddie Irvine was second fiddle to Michael yeah. Schumacher and he, he yeah. almost won a championship in 99 because the circumstances aligned themselves. So you got to put yourself yeah. at the best team, even if you're the second driver. Botas like kicked butt for years, even as like the second driver, even though he was up against Lewis, Botas was up on the podium. It was always a ham for bot, ham for bot, ham for bot, ham yeah. for bot. Like he was up there getting all of the points, even if he wasn't, you know, becoming a world champion against Lewis, he was still, that's how you win races. That's how you get on the podium. Every race It's you just need the car. I agree. Yeah. I mean, this is an interesting, like you said, I guess I was wrong to state that the saga is over because we have just discussed plenty of different scenarios and options that could play out. I mean, I'm still here voting IndyCar McLaren. It's 0%. It's probably negative percent going to happen, but like a girl can dream. Hey, I mean, he's only 33 years old. So let's say he takes a year off or he has one more year in F1 and then finally maybe realizes or comes to grips with hey, I think I can do some other type of racing. Yeah, I don't see why that couldn't happen. But obviously, yeah. he's not ready yet. So he still has unfinished business in F1. And I hope he gets to close it out on a high note, rather mm. than see things end this way. Yeah, I mean, I'm just in my head imagining him and Pato in their little cowboy hats and their little fake guns. They'd have so Coda. much fun together. They yeah. would have so much fun together. But yeah, that's irrelevant now. All right, let's get into the one other little bit of news that we have to discuss, and that is silly season schedule um, mix-up going on. (laughs) We've had confirmation that the French Grand Prix will not be returning next year. Yeah. So whether you are happy or sad about that, I don't know, but we have I don't really have much personal opinion on that. I mean, I think I'm only sad because... I'm, I have a connection to one of like the heads of communication there. And I just think that he's amazing. So I don't know what he's going to do, but I mean, as for the race itself, I think that there are a lot of other races that we're about to get into that. I'm very excited to come onto the calendar in its place. Yeah. So we're hoping to see, or at least the French Grand Prix organizers are hoping to get back on the schedule on a rotating basis because Mm -hmm. with F1 just exploding in popularity, 
you can only have so many rounds. I mean, we've already seen the length of the calendar increase significantly. Yeah. But when you've got all these places vying for a spot on the calendar, you can't accommodate them all. And so it just doesn't sound like it was going to work out for France next year, but it may return. We don't know. However, we've got some questions regarding what else will be replaced because we have three new races coming on the calendar next year, or I guess in terms of China and Qatar sort of returning Mm -hmm. in a way, and then Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. So what we've heard we might lose in the place of those races are Spa, Monaco, or I guess we're also now hearing potentially Mexico. Right. And so if you were to guess what we're going to see lost, or if you got to choose, what's going to stay? Is this like, fuck, Mary kill, but for F1 tracks? <laughs> because that's what it sure. feels like. Sure. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I think Mexico can die. I think that that's fine. Okay. Um, I, there's, a, there's a massive Central American fan base, though. So that kind of makes me sad. But there is Miami. So I don't know. Do with that what you will. Um, I think for actual tracks, I really don't want to lose either Spa or Monaco. Well, correction, we discussed this yesterday. We can lose Monaco, but like after I go, I just need to yeah, go well, for one year. Yeah, well, I'm going to go year. with you if you go, so. Yeah, so Frenchie and I, Fred, Monaco can go asterisk the year after Frenchie and Sarah go to experience Host will it. probably want to join. Okay, asterisk Frenchie, Sarah, and host go to, let's just, let's add David, let's add all of them. All of the uh, pit lane parlay hosts can come join. Sure. Um, and so, yeah, I want, I would be, shattered if Monaco were to leave the calendar indefinitely before I'd have the chance to go. Of course, it's crap for racing, but it's a very historic calendar and it also makes them so much money. At the end of the day, Formula One is about money. It's an entertainment. It's finances. And Monaco wants to stay. The Prince of Monaco is trying to get it to stay on the calendar. Like he's vying for it. So if that ends up being more money at the end of the day, F1 I have no doubt we'll take that. Um, but also spa is amazing racing. Like people yep. love spa all as the drivers. a track. All the drivers love spa. All of like the diehard F1 fans that love just the racing of it versus anything else versus, you know, the popularity versus the drama versus the personalities, et cetera, et cetera. To people that are literally just here to like watch cars go vroom, spa is it. So mm-hmm. I don't know. That's like, I think honestly in the future, it can, if it were up to me, which it's not, but if it were up to me, I love this rotating track basis thing because there are so many amazing tracks I think should be added onto the calendar. Like South Africa, Kwame, like that deserves oh, to be yeah. on the calendar hundred percent. So I know that there's no German knee races at the moment. So that yeah. would be really cool if like every two years we could go to Germany. Right. And I think that that opens the market up to a lot more people. Like even again, in my opinion, as an American, who's very much so complained previously that there were no races near me. I grew up in the Northeast. So the closest race mm-hmm. to me was in a different country, which was in Canada, which yeah, me too. is not that's that far, but like it's, that's literally the closest race. And now that we have Miami and Las Vegas, like, again, I would like to see Miami and Las Vegas switch off every year. Like that would be great for, in my opinion, because Miami and Las Vegas are going to be very similar races where they're going to be like street slash parking lot tracks and 
one is a night race, one is a day race, but they're both going to be like the Monaco 2.0 or the Americanized Monaco where it's it's there for a show. It's not there for the good racing. It's not there for a good track. It's just there yeah. for like the fun of it all and the money out of it all. So in my mind, they're like kind of the same thing. And so you could just switch off Miami and Las Vegas every other year and save some space on the calendar. That would be great. I mean, again, I say that coming from a position of, I have a number of friends who work in F1 and they're traveling to every single race. And when you have 22, 23 race, well, obviously not 23 this year, but was, was supposed to be 23 races yeah. this year. Like that's by just Russia. not feasible. Yeah. By Russia, whatever, forever, but forever. Um, I don't know. That's just not feasible for these teams. And it's not feasible for the logistics of it all. It's just not feasible in general. And I don't think that we should have to lose any tracks indefinitely because there are so many amazing countries. There's so many amazing tracks that it, I don't know. Why not get the best of both worlds? As I texted you yesterday, por qué no los dos? Like, why can't we have both? Why can't we just have it all? I mean, maybe that's asking too much, but yeah. So I don't know. I think if we're at, if we're talking about Mexico, Monaco, and Spa, and two have to leave, I don't think I could choose two to leave because I want to go to Monaco. <laughs> I do not want it gone. Um, and Spa's just it's such a special track. So yeah, I don't know. I think there's other races I would rather see gone. Agreed. Versus those. I was never a fan of the Chinese Grand Prix circuit layout. So seeing that mm -hmm. return, I mean, I understand why it's returning mm -hmm. because of the market that they need to be in. But, right. uh, you know, I think what's going to end up happening, if I had to predict, is that Monaco is going to be the one to stick around because mm -hmm. of what you said. It means a lot to F1 and it's the moneymaker. And I think they're going to sacrifice Spa. As much as the drivers will hate that, I mean, a lot of the fans will hate that. I think they'll have to figure out a way for it to return. Yeah. But a lot of it might depend on the race that's coming up this weekend because obviously right. last year was a farce. So if you have two bad races in a row or two ridiculous weather um oh, damaged it's weekends. Fun, it, oh, I, but that I, was yeah. so much fun. Well, for people who weren't there. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> Yeah. For me, who was like, I was on FaceTime with my friends for four hours because that, that like every like five races, I have this like group that we all just like FaceTime and watch the race together. And that just happened to be one of them. And I remember we had just wasted our day, like watching, just like talking to each other for four hours. But like, yeah, I mean, I think that that, that's absolutely right. And it is supposed to rain this weekend. Yes, it is. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. So let's, let's see what happens. I don't know when we're going to get any announcement on the schedule for next year, but uh, when did we get the schedule last year? Do you remember when they announced it? Oh, it was like late. It was super, super late in the season. Okay. But yeah, was that it... mostly because, because of COVID that they were just kind of like wrangling? Mm, maybe. I yeah, mean, we're I remember... still dealing with COVID slightly, right? It's still an issue, but I think people are just ignoring it at this point. No, I think COVID's not necessarily the issue. It, it sounds like there's just still a lot of negotiations going on. Like if the Prince of Monaco, as of six hours ago, is trying to wrangle some sort of contract, then I don't know if we'll be hearing about anything anytime soon because, I don't know, these things just take time. Yeah, well, I guess whoever, you know, dangles the largest amount of money in F1's <laughs> uh, face will probably win out. 
Yeah. And that's probably going to be Monaco. I mean, yeah. I don't like it's it's heartbreaking to say I'd rather have Monaco on the calendar than Spa as like a fan of racing. So maybe in two years, like if Monaco wins out for next year, in two years after we go, we can swap, like rotate. I don't know if I want to rotate Spa and Monaco, but like, I don't know. I, I think the future of F1 is going to have to be some sort of not a 10-year contract. Like no, you I get agree. like a two-year contract, you get a three-year contract, or you get like a rotating contract. Because if you keep doing 10-year contracts, then you're just going to have a set calendar. And there's so many, like right now, obviously they're doing the massive US push. Mm-hmm. That's which is why Miami and Las Vegas are coming in back to back. But in the future, that market may change. In the future, that market may be more Asia focused, right? Yep. So there's a huge India following, massive India following. Mm-hmm. And like, obviously they don't have a race, which I don't know if they ever will, like, they're not building a track at the moment, or at least to my knowledge, there's no track that fits F1's structure, but they're getting a formula E race next year, but that's all I know about right in Hyderabad. So I have to imagine that in five to 10 years, there'll probably be a track in India and there's so many, so many places that deserve it. So I don't, I don't know why Miami has a 10 year contract, but I also, again, don't make the rules. So, yeah, no, that's a good point. I think uh, we can probably end it there because we are speculating a little bit at this point. But yeah, sorry, this is all rumors now. No, Not I mean, rumors. I, this is all I like it. And hopefully, our listeners enjoyed this like special episode where we kind of had to address these emerging topics that Mike and I didn't get to earlier in the week. And with that, I hope everyone has a lovely weekend of racing. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning, or have never even heard of paddle, or padel, as it's called in North America, this is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with a pro tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Vamos!